welcome to the latest edition of the Tech UK podcast. In this episode, we're going to be exploring all things digital skills, looking at a reskilling and retraining revolution. Coming up, we have a host of fantastic guests, including Sheila Flavel, Chief Operating Officer at FDM Group, talking about the impact of COVID-19 on the company's ability to recruit, train and skill. Anthony Harmer, Chief Exec at ELAT, looking at the need for digital skills in today's and the future workforce. And our very own Vina Sally, Associate Director for Policy at Tech UK, exploring the findings from our polling with Ipsos Murray on the changing attitudes towards tech during lockdown. But first, over to Tech UK's President, Jacqueline de Rojas, who caught up with Gillian Keegan, Minister for Apprenticeships and Skills. My name's Jacqueline de Rojas, President of Tech UK, and I am delighted to welcome the Minister for Skills and Apprenticeships, Gillian Keegan. Welcome, Minister. Well, it's nice to be here. Nice to see you again, Jackie. It's been a long time. And I have a few questions for, for our podcast and our listeners. And, and I guess in the context of a world that is much changed with dependency on tech having increased exponentially overnight and the number of displaced employees that we have got and are going to see, I wanted to ask some questions about skills and specifically perhaps the skills toolkit that your department launched recently. Gillian, why was this initiative created? Well, I mean, obviously, um, as you say, coronavirus and all the impacts of that has accelerated digital massively. And we had virtually no notice, even though yourself and I have been talking for a long time about digital and the skills that people need for, you know, the 21st century and for the for the jobs of the future, etc. This has been quite incredible in terms of this, all that sort of behavioural change happening almost overnight. Um, and so we thought we, you know, it was an opportunity really, but we thought twofold. I suppose. First was to enable those people who didn't have that much uh, experience with working with digital to be able to learn a bit more and use their time to get more familiar and comfortable with digital. Uh, so we have some introductory courses for those uh, people, but also for others, you know, over, over the last couple of months, quite a lot of people have had disruption in their work or schooling and at uh, home a lot more. And it was an opportunity for us to be, basically say, look, here's some courses and thank you to Tech UK and everybody who worked with us on those um, you know here's some courses they're really useful to employers we've put them together with employers and if you have some time you know go and find something that you're interested in they're free for you to use and they will increase your skills and improve your um, attractiveness I guess to employers because they're all things that employers really value um, so that was this twofold really to fill your time wisely uh, but also to, to to enable you to start and accelerate yourself on the digital journey. Yeah which is really important we don't want to leave anyone behind do we? No definitely not. And, and have you seen the impact of the skills toolkit in, in manifest itself in any way? Well, obviously, it's very difficult to launch something from scratch. Um, however, it has been very successful. So we've had more than half a million visits to the platform. Um, we've got 136,000 people who've actually started courses, including myself, Jacqueline. I'm going to be doing one in uh, August. Um, to, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to do Python coding, but it, uh, I thought maybe I, that was a bit ambitious in terms of time. Commitment. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm doing one about uh, online best practice, etc. Um, so I, I, I am going to do one. Um, but there's you know, a guy I was talking to who's done two courses, one in digital marketing, the other in coding. 
Uh, and it's clear that these are skills that not only will they be impressive when someone asked you what you were doing in furlough, you, you can say I was learning how to code, um, but also uh, they're also things that are, are highly valuable to the workplace. So that's what we want really. So, um, and that they, they're online, they're flexible. You can do them at your own pace. Um, you know, you can start at your own level. And, and, and we're going to continue with the concept as well. As um, you know, we've, we started off with the 17 courses. We're going to, as it's been successful, we're going to try and expand that. Yeah, I think it's so important. And it's, it's really nice because that balance between work and home is sort of blurring, isn't it? So learning whilst you're not commuting maybe is, is, is also a really, really great way to fill your time. Yeah, so, that's a great way to use your train, your, your, yeah. your train journey time, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, can you tell me what the government's doing around digital reskilling to, to help us in our recovery post-COVID? Oh, well, obviously, as well as the, um, the skills toolkit, which, you know, I would encourage anyone listening to just go on to, you know, the, skill, the skills uh, toolkit and have a look what's on there, because there's going to be much more going on as well. So please share the skills toolkit and go to the website gov.uk forward slash the skills toolkit. But it sits alongside other DfE initiatives, such as the National Skills Fund. Um, and we've also introduced a basic digital entitlement for everybody, which is coming uh, in, in August. And DCMS, which is another government department, is also supporting the new digital boost platform. And that's going to provide digital support for small businesses and charities that have been impacted by COVID-19. And, and we also have local digital skills partnerships, which... Um, have been launched recently in six regions and they've been playing an important role. So I think there's a very much focus on digital and all things digital and giving people the support that they need to, to, to get digital and hopefully building upon, you know, out of every crisis uh, that the, the can be opportunity. And, and I think people have found themselves now uh, overcoming some of their fear of online if they had some and, and really uh, embracing the technology. My parents are, are on Zoom every week now, uh, and I guess they never thought they'd be doing that in their 70s, but people have very much embraced it. So once the fear factors overcome then then people can can really open themselves up to uh, learning more at their own pace and we'll be there to support them yeah and we couldn't have wished for you know you say that you know good things can come out of a pandemic as well and you know i think the idea that we have adopted technology so fast regardless of age or or competence has been a real thing hasn't it it's been a transformational part of of what's been happening it, it has. And, but if you, I mean, you and I have worked in technology for a long time. The thing about it is it actually works now really well. You know, yeah. when, <laughs> you know the visions of the video conferencing and all these things, all these meetings, the, the visions have been there for, for decades. But yeah. obviously to make it ubiquitous, to make it work and to make it stable and to make it available to everybody takes a lot of time. So we're actually quite lucky from that perspective that mm. it really does work well. Yeah, I, I agree. The friction feels like it's it's gone um, and going and it's, yeah. it, it's becoming much, much easier to just click a button and go, isn't it? Yeah. So you've been, Gillian, you've been a lifelong champion of apprenticeships. Um, what, what do you think can be done to support apprentices and, and make sure that there are apprenticeships available as we come out of this period of economic uncertainty. Now, how can we make sure that companies are embracing apprenticeships? 
Uh, well, you're absolutely right. I'm not only a lifelong champion of apprenticeships, I'm actually a lifelong apprentice as well, having started as <laughs> one and having used that mode of um, of uh, learning several times, uh, even to get myself into this job. It's, it's quite bizarre to be the Minister for Apprenticeships and Skills. Um, it's such an opportunity because I am truly passionate um, about apprenticeships, having been the way that I sort of developed my skills for the workplace and uh, got my opportunities in life. So, and they can, I, I just see they're so scalable for so many people, uh, particularly people who were in a situation like I was in and, uh, you know, really needed that help and support to to get on a good career path. Um, so obviously at this period of time, the first focus has been uh, on trying to help uh, everything in the apprenticeship system um, um, move online and to be enabled remotely, uh, obviously with the help from uh, providers and employers. And that has gone really well, I must say. Uh, obviously, a lot of, of the companies were using technology. They had technology platforms anyway. Um, but even where they didn't, they've done uh, uh, you know, enormous amount of effort to continue the learning and the training online. Um, they even are doing assessments online and, um, you know, all kinds of uh, different ways of learning. And I've been into a number of those classrooms and uh, they're really quite innovative and they've done a great job. The whole sector's done a really great job um, and they've engaged um, with everybody online. But of course, the key uh, pillar of the recovery package is, is also focused on apprenticeships um, because they're just such a great way of somebody learning and earning and contributing to the economy all at the same time. And, and what I love about apprenticeships and what I loved about my own is that ability to learn up to date things and then implement them and apply it almost the next day. And it's a brilliant way of, um, of, of, of learning. So that's effectively um, what we've recognised. It's a centre piece of our recovery package. We are incentivising all age apprenticeships um, and we're really sort of, you know, focusing on hoping that they get expanded. We said any small business there will be um, financial support to take on apprentice. We'll be having a marketing package as well, a programme that will make sure everybody's aware of it. We've simplified the system. We've improved the system. Um, and of course, we've also, for those not quite ready to go on an apprenticeship, we've also increased the number of um, traineeships and um, sector-based work academies and the Kickstarter scheme. So we've got a range of schemes really focused on making sure people have an opportunity to work, learn new skills, earn, and um, hopefully by the time that period is over, we'll be in a much stronger position and people will have more certainty to be able to, uh, you know, take on their apprenticeships or to be able to uh, employ people full time. Yeah, and, and I love that because what you're doing automatically is making sure that the apprentices are fit for purpose for industry because they are so closely embedded into what's going on and they can play a massive part in in contributing to the economic recovery right from uh, the get-go and that that sense of contribution is so important isn't it it really is and hopefully they'll have a whole load of digital skills and they are digital natives so you know with yeah. all the skills that are available in the skills toolkit i expect young people to really um you know be 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 moving ahead much faster than perhaps than uh, than my parents um so you know they can make a real difference when they get into the workplace this experience is an experience that they can use very well uh, to boost their career and accelerate their career as well mm, brilliant minister Many thanks for joining us and we look forward to 
technology skills and other skills playing an important part in the economic recovery of this country. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the previous segment with Minister for Skills and Apprenticeships, Gillian Keegan, and Tech UK's President, Jacqueline Dorahas. My name's Nimi Patel, and I'm the Policy Manager for Skills, Talent and Diversity at Tech UK. And I'm here with Bina Sally, Tech UK's Associate Director for Policy, to discuss Tech UK's recently commissioned polling from Ipsos Murray on the changing attitudes towards tech during lockdown. Venus, how has our dependence on technology through this period impacted the UK's attitudes towards digital technologies? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much, Nimi. So I guess to start off with, it's it's useful to sort of frame this conversation by saying that all of us have witnessed how digital technologies have become more present in our day-to-day lives um, over the lockdown period. We're all using tech more to do our jobs, to stay in touch with loved ones and to keep the economy moving. However, what we wanted to do is really get under the skin of what those physical changes meant um, in terms of attitudes. So we asked Ipsos Mori to do a couple of polls for us throughout the lockdown to understand um, what what the public were, were thinking. And I think at a very top level, what we've seen is a real um, optimistic um, attitude from the from the public about the impact of digital technologies on our economy and our society. Of those we surveyed, almost a third um, viewed digital technology more as an opportunity than a threat. And for most people, digital technologies were seen both as an opportunity and a threat. It's really interesting that when we narrowed the question down to better understand how people felt about the impact of digital technology had on the delivery of public services like the NHS, the response was also overwhelmingly positive, with 68% of those surveyed feeling that digital technology had a positive impact. I think that's really important because often what, when we look at the, the headlines and we look at the debates happening in Parliament and in public, it's often around concerns around technology, whether that's screen time or, um, or sort of abuse online. And I think this period has shown just how much technology can be a force for good, both in our personal lives, but also to support our most treasured public services. Thanks, Venus. I think this survey is incredibly timely. Um, what did the polling find out about attitudes towards digital skills? So our survey explored perceptions around the importance of digital skills. And overwhelmingly, people felt that digital skills would become more important over the next 12 months. So 82% of the general public, and remember, this is representative both in terms of sort of gender, region, etc., um, said that digital skills would become more important and 27% of that said that they strongly agreed with that notion. So it's really important that the recognition of digital skills being a key tool for the economy and for people's own job prospects um, is being recognised. But more importantly than that, perhaps, there's been a translation across to actually wanting to do something about it. So our polling also showed that 58% of respondents reported being interested in gaining more digital skills in the next 12 months. Now, I just want to take a moment to look at the sort of differences um, that we saw in terms of um, the age of respondents and, and their attitudes. 
So taking the results from our second wave of polling, it's clear that younger people are more motivated to upskill and retrain. So if you look at the cohorts from ages 16 all the way up to 34%, the percentages are um, significantly higher in the sort of 70% range. And that's really important because when we look at the age group being hardest hit by the economic downturn resulting from COVID, that's likely to marry up. So we've got to seize on the sea change in motivation to ensure that young people in particular have access to digital skills training courses, um, that we properly articulate pathways into digital for them, and that we really help and support them pivot to new digital futures. Thanks, Venus. That's incredibly interesting. And what does this skills training mean for jobs of the future? And I guess in the short term and long term. So I think what we've seen is businesses of all sizes and of all types really um, push forward and accelerate their digital strategies. Um, we've seen digital transformations that ordinarily would take months and years happen in a number of weeks. And I think that from our polling, for example, 71% of, of business leaders um, said that their businesses would become more dependent on technology as a result of the pandemic. And what that means for people is that clearly they will need to interact with technology more in their day-to-day -day lives. Um, so it's really important that we give them the skills to make them feel confident to engage with the technology, but also to make sure that they're benefiting um, and really sort of drawing out all the potential that technology has to offer. Thanks very much, Venus. Um, it'd be great to understand a little bit more about what Tech UK and the wider tech industry are doing to enable retraining. So look, I think we need to start by understanding people are incredibly, um, incredibly busy lives. They are often time poor, whether that's um, because of, of their current work or whether that's because of other commitments outside of their workplace, such as childcare or whatever else it might be. And therefore, any attempt to make sure that retraining upskilling is accessible needs to revolve around how people like to learn and needs to make sure that the learning is going to them. So for Tech UK and for the industry, what has been at the forefront of our minds for some time is making sure that the delivery of retraining modules, etc., are done in a bite-sized way that people can sort of pick up and drop um, as suits their lifestyle. So I think this is a really important moment um, and it's good to see the government sort of clearly seizing the opportunity available to them. We need to make sure that we restore the adult education budget and it's really pleasing to hear that government is looking at producing a white paper on this very issue later on this year. We need to also make sure that we're reinvigorating apprenticeships. We know digital apprenticeships um, have been a huge area of growth, so it's important that we double down on that and offer new routes into tech. But also we've seen over the lockdown period, the Department for Education launched their digital skills toolkit, signposting people to free online learning modules in a range of issues, whether that's sort of accounting online, um, basic digital skills, or the more specialized um, subjects, whether that's sort of data analytics or on cybersecurity. We think that that produces huge opportunity for growth and for government to play a much more proactive role in signposting people to not only the, the skills of the future, but actually to the sort of jobs that are available to everyone. And that's the thing that at Tech UK we want to see. We want to make sure that the tech sector is open to a diversity of talent and that we're really nurturing the next generation.
If you'd like to find out more about the results of Tech UK survey, please go on the Tech UK website. And a huge thanks to Cisco for sponsoring and supporting this research. Next up, I chat to Sheila Flavel, Chief Operating Officer at FDM Group. Hi, Sheila. Thanks so much for coming on board Tech UK's podcast, looking into the reskilling and retraining revolution. I wanted to first pick up on what is the need for digital skills in today's and the future workforce? Let me answer as best I can, Nimi. Well, the coronavirus has changed the way we live our lives and moving much of it to online. And although we're, we're not out of the woods yet, this difficult time has taught us all some lessons about how we must respond. And I'll use the Tech UK um, strapline of build back better approach and reduce vulnerability in, in future scenarios that might occur. But digital is at the heart of all of that. The pandemic has most certainly accelerated the need for a technology-enabled uh, economy. And we need to ensure that everyone is well prepared for a digitalized world, and that's equipping them with both the digital skills and the characteristics needed to thrive, but not just in the workplace, in all aspects of our lives. And it's also vital that these changes which are much needed now, are locked in and built into the future as the economy recovers and reinvents itself as it's having to do. Now, huge strides have been made in lots of different pockets and corners, but the Department of Education has, has stepped in to ensure that laptops and tablets, I understand, are being provided for disadvantaged families, children and young adults who don't currently have access to them. And internet access, I, I believe, is being provided by 4G wireless routers for those people uh, who don't have it. And at FDM, we're doing a bit too. We've provided laptops to all our internal staff to allow them to work remotely through all of this. So we've given our desktops and we're giving more desktops, uh, computers to disadvantaged youngsters and schools to help them continue their education whilst they're being skilled at home. And I know that Tech UK has been working with a, an industry coalition to support this initiative also, and that's really great. It's so important, Nimi, that we do what we can. We do our bit to help others who are less fortunate. And the government's target to deliver gigabit capable broadband nationwide by 2025, it now looks more important than ever that we reach that number of that date. And what this will do is this will save us time when performing tasks. It will enable innovation. For example, the rollout of faster internet will enable new types of media, internet of things, augmented reality, and uh, virtual reality applications too. And I've also been told that it could boost the economy by up to 13 billion. Now, surely that's enough to focus the mind. Having the devices and the connectivity is all well and good, but businesses need the right level of skills and technologies in order for them to survive and to thrive. And that's where FDM can help through graduate uh, uh, returners and our ex-forces programmes. As well as being the CEO of FDM Group, I also chair the Industry Advisory Board for the Institute of Coding. And what we are is a body of senior tech industry professionals, and we're providing advice and guidance to universities um, as to the digital needs of industry. The IOC is, is government funded, and we've been in situ for the past three years. And what we've been doing is creating and providing programmes, and in particular online learning, and that's to improve tech and digital skills in university education, as well in, as in other underrepresented groups throughout the country. 
And these are programmes that provide skills that industry needs right now and hopefully into the future too. Now, the brilliant news is that up to date, uh, over half a million people have enrolled or passed through the courses. And the better news is that the a lot of the courses are short and a lot of them are free as well. So I have a bit of an ask here. If, like me, you believe that upskilling and reskilling of the UK workforce is critical to our economic recovery, please, if you are speaking to government, please mention this. At the moment, and despite its, in, its incredible success, the IOC is set to close its doors at the end of March 2021. At the precise moment when skills training is in greatest demand and, of course, unemployment will be rocketing. So if the opportunity arises, your vocal and public support for its continuation would really help to safeguard this pipeline of talent that's been shaped by our university and industry collaboration. So at the moment, it's a great time for people to upgrade the skills. People have more time at the moment. They aren't traveling. So why not use some of that time to, to upskill? You know, we've come a long way in the past few months, and I feel that it's still at the very early stage of this digital journey. We have a heck of a long way to go. And employers know how important it is to, to appoint staff with the right attitude and the aptitude. But that's not enough, particularly in the tech sector. Staff need to be motivated for learning and continuously upskilled because whatever specific technical skills they have now, they'll be of absolute little use in 10 years time. Skills and competencies need to keep evolving and we need to keep pace and, you know, in order to be in order for business to be successful, I expect. Does that answer your question, Nimi? Yes, it does. Thank you very much, Sheila. And thank you for that brilliant call to action on the Institute of Coding. Um, they've done some fantastic work and it's great to see you pushing for progress. What changes to FDM's ability to recruit, train and skill had to be made due to COVID? How have you found the business had to adapt? Okay, now that is, that, that is really interesting. FDM, we're being really pretty agile and dynamic in how we're responding to this crisis. You know, within four days, we moved all our staff, including training of many hundreds of people to a remote model. And we were fully office-based or centre-based. And after a few weeks of uncertainty, we very quickly returned to a growth mindset. Now, we're fortunate that we've not had to furlough any of our staff. So for us, it's onwards and upwards. And all our staff have remained on the payroll, which you know we've been very fortunate that we've been able to do. So what we say at FDM is through crisis comes opportunity. And no doubt the lessons that we've learned will transform our, what was a classroom experience. But um, we now have a great opportunity to change the way that we're actually delivering training. And technology has the potential to optimise the learning experience for our trainees. And we're now realising that there's no need to be either all online or even all in person. And having greater flexibility is proving really attractive to our trainees and I'm sure will be much more beneficial to the company through time as well. So in that, there's been a massive change. But more than anything, we realise that as we move from crisis to recovery, we cannot lose this momentum. As I said, it's onwards and upwards. At FDM, we built the business on developing diverse talent and skills. 
uh, skills that meet the business needs of today and as I said earlier and, and of the future too. And we now have that opportunity to harness talent from all areas of the country because of our current remote training model. So we, our, our outreach is much greater than it ever has been before, um, which is, is what we want. Uh, we can even be more inclusive um, than, much more inclusive than we could before COVID-19 reared its ugly head. So that's that's been a great achievement. But uh, make no bones about it, digital skills are uh, these days a workplace essential. Being a person with digital skills in the current economic climate has never been more lucrative than it is now. At this precise moment when unemployment figures are soaring, I would say it's certainly the place to be. And, um, you know, I recently found out that 80% of all job vacancies now require digital skills. Isn't that incredible? And roles requiring digital skills pay 29% more than those that don't. In fact, in recent years, the number of digital uh, jobs grew almost three times as quickly as other occupations. So there you go. Thank you very much, Sheila. And could you outline a specific reskilling programme that FDM Group runs? FDM has been built over 31 years and over the past 31 years we've built many, many training programmes as you can imagine um, and we continue to offer them Java.net, DevOps, Cybersecurity Cloud and many, many more besides. We train people to become developers, testers, data scientists, agile project managers, cybersecurity specialists and the list goes on. Now they're all skills that are in great demand in the marketplace right now. But on top of this, we've introduced a new initiative to supplement our traditional programme, and that's a pod initiative. The pods are the latest step in the evolution of our training and development, of our consultants, that is, which was started earlier this year and accelerated following, uh, in, following lockdown in, in March. Uh, our consultants found themselves in lockdown and unable to meet face to face, so we we had to adopt this new approach to try to provide as realistic and as useful a training and development environment as we could. Um, so let me try and describe it to you, Nibi. The consultants form agile training, or, sorry, agile teams or pods of uh, 10 to 12 people. And each of them has a, a leader or as we call it, a scrum master to guide them. And each pod is given a real life or a, a like real life scenario to work through in their agile teams. The scenario is not necessarily loaded with detail and guided by the Scrum Master, the pods work through the scenario using agile methodology, including daily meetings, we call them stand-ups, and weekly progress meetings, uh, we call them Scrum reviews. So we currently have four pods which are developing an application to trade shares as a private consumer. There's other pods which are using complex data analysis techniques to try to spot market sentiments through tweets and comments on investor forums and public broker statements and uh, to see how this matches with share price performance. There are other pods um, uh, focusing on regulatory compliance. Uh, they're working through real life scenarios uh, with spe and specific regulations uh, like Dodd-Frank and SFTR. Um, and they're learning what it's like to design and build robust enterprise tech in a volatile environment. And there's more, but I'll stop there. But um, we have these pods. They have a senior practitioner as the client, and these guys make scenarios as realistically as possible. Now, 
our CIO is um, is having a great time at the moment. He's playing the grumpy banking CIO during the, the Dodd-Frank rollout, and he's introducing challenging twists and turns, which which the regulatory compliance pods have to work their way through. And they, we're trying to mimic the workplace. They're all really uh, realistic, um, as he was involved in the in the real project for Dodd-Frank when he worked in banking technology himself for many years. And the feedback we're getting from consultants is that the pods are very well received and that they are learning many things which complement uh, and bring to life the classroom experiences. So it's also worth noting perhaps that most of the consultants in these pods who are producing the design documents and cost benefit analysis and building Java and Python applications, they've done, they've done so exclusively from the remote uh, working environments. And they've come up with some fantastic, inspiring and innovative solutions that have completely blown us away. So, and all of this, as I say, they've never met their teammates and it's all been done remotely. So not only is it inspiring to, to watch these teams working, I've been attending a, and observing a number of Scrum reviews and it is just shown the exceptional flexibility and dedication of our consultants. So we fully expect to expand this, this pod idea and for this to be more part of our formal training offering and to retain a, a much stronger remote element to, to our offering, um, which will improve and increase our diversity in the future. Um, so, you know, that's what we've introduced, our innovation during uh, lockdown. We're seeing lots and lots of organisations having a great interest in our pod concept. That is fantastic. It's so great to hear how the company has been able to adapt and innovate during this difficult time. What should we expect to see change in the labour market as we recover? How do you think your business and wider skills training will be affected? FDM is, is well placed. We're very, we're, FDM is a very resilient organisation. We're well placed to support businesses with their business transformation programmes. We've seen the business take huge leaps forward in the past few months. Uh, needs must, devil drives. We're all in it together and we really should be supporting each other. And we've seen a lot of that with our clients. Um, businesses with low levels of uh, essential digital skills capability at the moment, they, they really are going to be left behind in what is and will be in the future a highly competitive uh, environment. We are now ramping up our recruitment, we're ramping up our training activities, We've got plenty of available teams and individuals ready for placement. We can already see the demand for skills picking up uh, from the lull incurred during lockdown. Businesses seem to be getting back, uh, recognising their skills deficits and doing something about it. And that really is critical to recovery. At FDM, we have a hugely diverse workforce, and I'm not just talking about gender diversity here. Although we've calculated our gender diversity statistics for 2020, even though the government has said that we can stand down and defer it till next year, we decided to crack on and create the reports that we have done over the last uh, three years. And once again, we'll be reporting a zero gender pay gap, which we are really, once again, proud of. Women and members of the BAME community have been particularly hit with COVID. So it's, it's great that our programme uh, welcomes both to apply and uh, to FDM uh, for positions on our consultancy programme. Now is the time for organisations like FDM, like TechQK and the IOC to come to the forefront to help signpost where businesses and individuals can go to improve their digital numeracy.
thank you very much for including diverse groups into the work that you do at FDM Group. Sheila, thank you again for joining Tech UK's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've got Anthony Harmer, who is the chief exec of ELAT, joining the Tech UK Skills podcast. Hi, Anthony. How are you doing? Hi, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. I was wondering if you could take us um, on a journey of what ELAT's mission statement is and, and what your learning model is. Absolutely. Well, ELAT's mission statement is to provide people with the digital and employability skills they need to succeed in life and work. So we run programs in software development, digital media production, web design, web development, computer engineering, business administration. Our learning model is based very much on small group learning, predominantly on part-time courses lasting between eight to 12 weeks. And we put a very strong emphasis on practical work and providing a wide variety of experiences for our students. For example, industry insight days and mentoring from local business. And we have a very strong focus on one-to-one support that will be educational support as well as pastoral and welfare. Our students come from some of the most deprived backgrounds in London. So that's a, a great emphasis for us to look after them on a 360 degree basis. Thanks so much. And how has your ability to retrain and upskill changed during COVID-19? How have you had to adapt? Well, it was a complete transformation. So prior to COVID-19, only something like 10% of our courses were on a blended learning model. So some study in class, some study through virtual learning environments. And that was only our more advanced classes. Our lower level courses were 100% delivered in the classroom. Now we have needed to move that entire model online in the last three months. And since then we have delivered every course purely through a virtual learning environment. So a complete transformation really. Now we had a lot of the setup ready for that, but there was a quite a challenge for teachers to adapt materials that worked in a classroom where small group dialogue between students was very, very easy, and then moving that into an online model. So we've been looking at ways to adapt the training so that a particular topic works better online. There are some topics, very, especially where it's very manually based on computer engineering, where we need to open up for a day or two to have students come in and do it. But on the whole, total adapt adaptation. And I doubt that we will ever go back to being so dominantly classroom based learning. I think or know that in the future and as the pandemic passes, we'll remain a blended learning provider. What should we expect to see in the labour market as we recover? You know, how do you think that this will affect your business and I guess wider skills training? I think it's inevitable and largely to be welcomed that we'll see a far greater focus on digital in the business sector and, and in education, that will be no different. Just when you look at some of the practicalities in terms of reopening, 
our ability to reopen is based on the school's ability to reopen because our staff and our students often have children and school is the main way that facilitates them being able to leave the house in the day. We have to look at the fact that our classrooms only hold 12 people. That's part of our model of having small group support. But if the pandemic continues and we can only have half that amount in the class, we have to rethink how we deliver. So at the moment, that move to digital and continuing on digital gives you a far greater degree of certainty. Whilst we're planning to deliver online, when not so much at the risk of a localised breakout of infection, for example. Then we see a lot of businesses who have been primarily, for example, high street retail, having to move all their work online. So we feel, and um, working also with some of our industry partners, that digital skills will become more and more important in this economy, in particular web development, cybersecurity, data and data analysis and artificial intelligence. I can't see how they won't become permanently stepped up. And during this period of lockdown, have you found that there's been an uptake in digital skills courses? Yeah, I mean, when when lockdown stepped in in late March, in terms of ELAT as an organisation and our income and our own success, our, the big question on our mind is, are people still going to want to train? Are they still going to be interested in skills training? And recruitment has certainly held up. In, on some courses, it's been better than I think it would have been if there hadn't been lockdown. So just courses like basic digital skills and office skills, our demand has gone considerably higher than before. So, and on all our other areas, digital media production and software development, web design, it's held up. So that for us is a sign that demand will increase because we have to remember at that point in April that people were applying. There was a lot of ill people. There was a lot of bereaved people. So the fact that people were still in still applying to do training courses and upskill suggests to us that the British public understand that skills transformation is going to be required in the next phase of this. So yeah, the signs are there that people understand the importance of digital more, which I think is to be expected when shopping and all their communication has been online in the for so many weeks. That was great, thank you. Um, could you talk a little bit more about how diversity feeds into your learning model? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're based in Hackney and we run three departments. We have three main areas of delivery. Our first is a sixth form provision. So this is for 14 to 19 year olds. 60% of our young people are on care plans predominantly because they have mild to moderate autism. So we're really, really interested in working with companies to change the interview process because people with autism tend to not be successful in the current recruitment process we have. 
the interview situation predominantly, which is more about how you answer questions in front of a panel of strangers, as opposed to how you demonstrate your ability. So with that group, we're extremely interested in diversity because we're looking at 70 young people a year who love tech and really want to get into this industry and we're not really seeing the doors open for them yet. We run a programme for adults in low or in no employment. So they tend to be working on zero hours or casual work or not working at all. And I think as Marta Lane Fox said some years ago, if you took the unemployed of London and trained them up in tech, you wouldn't have a skill shortage. Thanks so much, Anthony. Um, I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit more about the digital skills review that you were on. So Anthony was a member of the steering group for the government's digital skills review. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I was on the digital skills qualification steering group that was two or three years ago. And I think there is a good opportunity now to try to bring forward some of those recommendations because we're in a situation, certainly in London, where the skills policy has been devolved to the Greater London Assembly. So I think there's more of a direct opportunity there for London companies and London providers to work with the mayor and the deputy mayor on skills. I'd like to tell you about one of our projects, Ready for Industry. This is our work experience campaign. And the aim of the campaign is to encourage local employers to provide work experience that could be from one week, it could be to 12 weeks. We're very, very flexible about the model. And we're really looking for employers who want to give young people a chance, bring them into the workplace or do the work experience online and give them that opportunity to be exposed to the real workplace and to find out that they can compete and that they can hold their head up high in the work environment. A lot of our students see the city, they see Canary Wharf, they live near it and they don't necessarily think they can belong in that environment. And Ready for Industry is really our project that shows people they are ready for it. We've had students taking up work experience at Sopristeria, at Mobius PR, and this opportunity really transforms their view of themselves and it really opens up doors as they consider what they want to do next in their future. Thanks again for joining Tech UK's Skills Podcast, Anthony. It's been great having you on to discuss the skills landscape post-COVID and hear about all the training work ELAT is doing. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this month's podcast. Thanks again to all of our fantastic speakers and thank you for listening. We hope you found this podcast interesting and insightful. To learn more and get involved, please visit techuk.org. Until next time.